Hey folks, if you've seen any of the great merch we have lately, we've got Witch Police shirts, we've got bags, we've got more gear on the way. That's all made by our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Whether it's screen printing or embroidery, heat press vinyl or graphic design, Divine Shirts is the place to go for your band merch. They've been doing some of the best stuff from the best bands in Winnipeg and beyond. And if you're looking to get some merch made, head over to divineshirtcompany.ca or follow them on Instagram and tell them which Police Radio sent you. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, I am broadcasting from the internet, which is where everyone is always because, uh, you know, no one leaves their houses or their workplaces. But uh, I'm here with someone uh, who I think I've wanted to have you or someone from your band on the show for a long time now. And I'm glad we're finally making it happen because you've been uh, a pretty... Uh, significant presence, I guess, in the local music scene for the past number of years, and I've uh, got a lot of questions for you. So I think the best way to start this off is if you want to introduce yourself and maybe give a bit of background about what it is you do in the local music scene. Uh, my name is Jorge Requena Ramos, and I am the lead singer and artistic director of the Mariachi Ghost, and I am also the artistic director of the Western Cultural Center, which is a force for good in the local music scene. Totally. Uh, and I'm also a BIPOC uh, music advocate, um, trying to take the powerful to task when they use the term diversity or inclusion. Right. And make sure they're actually fucking doing it. <laughs> I, like, I like that. I like that attitude. Uh, we definitely, uh, I definitely want to get into that in a little bit too, for sure. Um, but I, I guess, I mean, the Mariachi Ghost is, I think, what you're probably best known for within the music scene, just because it's been oh, probably a decade now, right? That you you've been uh, playing a, as that group, and mm-hmm. I think you've been fairly high profile as far as uh, Winnipeg bands kind of getting out there beyond the uh, the borders of the city. So, what is the actual history of that band? Uh, without going into too much detail, like how did you actually get this thing started uh the mariachi goes was kind of a uh, an accident of sorts um my friend gabriel and i who both uh run the band together um uh started playing music uh after anthropology classes in university uh in 2005 or 6 okay and uh gabriel was learning spanish or was already pretty good at spanish and he was interested in mexican music and mexican rock and so he started playing learning some songs and that interest turned into some traditional Mexican music, which I was very highly exposed to when I was uh, growing up because my mom is a musician okay. uh, and she uh, likes mariachi music a lot. I grew up in the region where mariachi is very popular and created, uh, naturally created in that area. Um, and so, then, so you, um, were, you were raised with it then? You have it like in your in your bones? Yeah, like even if I didn't want to like it, <laughs> I would yeah. have to like it because of how much exposure I had to it. Sure. Uh, I auditioned for some of the bigger matches in Mexico City when I was young, and uh, I didn't actually make it in, but uh, but I had it in me. Um, and so Gabriel and I started playing a little bit of traditional music. I did it kind of, I did so kind of begrudgingly, and mostly because I missed my mom and missed Mexico and missed those traditions. And I did not. What I did not realize is that um, traditional music. All traditional music with traditional Mexican music is very um, intricate, uh, syncopated. Yeah. Uh, it's in, in, in different rhythms. Uh, it has really complicated things that music theoricians, um, you know, often talk about. But I just grew up with it. And I, I didn't know that that's what was happening. And at the same time, I grew up in Mexico City, which is a big, big city that had a big love for uh, you know, British music, specifically in my circle. Uh, a lot of punk bands and a lot of uh, metal bands and a lot of dark bands. And okay. we call them urban tribes in Mexico City. Uh, and so Gabriel, Gabriel was also exposed to all of the music that I grew up with, uh, listening to um, Mexican bands and, and British bands. And so we started uh, kind of just playing music for fun. And at one point... Um, my friend Ray was running the outdoor stage at the Fringe, and I had been uh, a heavy Fringe fan in the beginning of my stay in Winnipeg. Okay. And uh, I had gone to that to that stage to look to listen to music a lot. And at one point, when he started doing that job, I was like, "Hey, man, can I play a show like on a Wednesday or something?" And he was like, "Sure. What Wednesday do you want?" Cool, cool. <laughs> and he just booked us, and so that prompted me to actually create a band for the show. Um, and, uh, and I started calling upon friends who I knew played music and who I knew were cool and 
Um, I like their bands. Um, I think I poached half of the band called The Shouting Ground. I th- I, I I grabbed Tim and Ian, um, Tim and Ian from that band at, at that time, and uh, and then Gabriel and I and my friend Roy and a couple of other people um, that I knew from theater school okay. decided to play. And I think it's because I was going to theater school. I had just finished film film school and, and been exposed to theater in, in a tangible way that we wanted to put on a, like a more than just a band kind of show. I, I wanted to make it visual and, and magical. And what we were talking about was certainly uh, things about related to the supernatural, et cetera, et cetera, in the music. And so um, we just kind of started rehearsing and, and the magic started happening. Like right away, I felt like we were doing something different because we had so many influences that we're trying to sort of pressure cook in the band. We only had like a two weeks to, to like learn seven songs or something. Yeah. Um, and so that, I think that environment of pressure cooking really allowed us to, to, um, to develop something interesting and unique and not necessarily polished in the beginning, but I felt that there was something interesting and unique. And so we started working on that, on that after that fringe show, which we had a pretty good response for, we started work on it pretty hard and and with a more with more intent. Mm-hmm. Um, I was writing a Mexican a comic book about. Um, we have a legend in Mexico called El Charro Negro, which is this uh, justice seeking ghost okay. that goes around with a machete. And if you have been unfair or unjust, or is, you're one of the like you know the 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 unfair rich people of Mexico, or you've been cheating on your wife or whatever, he will find you and cut off your head. And so uh, El Charro Negro, we call him. And uh, and I mean it's it's sad that he doesn't exist because the world would be a better place. <laughs> Probably, but, <yeah. laughs> but I so I wanted to make a comic book about about a Charro Negro, but in a modern way. And so okay. I created this character who doesn't know if he's dead or alive. He suffers from some sort of mental uh, mental malady, and uh, and he only really feels alive when he is in embodying the ghost. And he feels mostly dead when he is embodying himself, Gonzalo. Um, just kind of suffering, and uh, and he's had t- everything taken away from him many times in life, to the point where he's you know kind of um, half cooked, uh, you know, like he doesn't he doesn't quite know what's happening all the time, but he knows who's who's uh, fair and who is not, and he um, he accidentally encounters um, the Mexican god of thunder and rain and the storm, Tlaloc, and uh, Tlaloc in the in the legends of Mexican. Um, of the old gods uh, is kind of like an Odin figure, kind okay. of like a Thor figure mixed together. Uh, if you think about um, uh, about Norse mythology, is um, he's a character that comes to the earth to give people um, agriculture. Like he appears now and like brings all this kind of with his storm. It's a storm, and like you suffer through it. And when you're done through the process of the storm, all this like nature and green and like wellness and abundance comes from that okay and so he's he's kind of that that character and so tlaloc puts the mariachi goes through this ringer of um of um training and and becoming the mariachi ghost and gives him the identity of the mariachi ghost he gives him the mask and um and makes him this kind of powerful warrior um to try to kind of create one of his, his next reincarnation okay, uh, and brings bring justice to the area where the Magicos lives. That's the comic book. Like he was like, it's, it's the, in some ways makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> the bad guys in the comic book are the Mason who are trying to recreate the world and destroy the old world of the old gods. And um, those were the songs of the first album. That's kind of, I never finished a comic book. Right. Right. Um, but all of the lyrics that I was, all of the poetry that I was writing for the poem, for the comic book, or a lot of it, ended up becoming lyrics for the first album. Um, that was called the Mariachi Ghost. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good album too, for sure. Yeah, that's, I, I like I like that backstory. That's a lot more detailed, I think, than than I would have expected. Uh, <laughs> you know, for the actual storyline of what's happening in the songs and everything. But I also kind of like too the um, the sort of. Uh, I don't know if it's a focus, but a lot of your music and a lot of the kind of theatrical nature of it, it has a lot of sadness to it, but also like celebratory kind of vibe to it at the same time. It's like a combination uh, of both of those things that I think you pull off very well. And it sounds like some of these legends and and myths that you're taking it from, taking inspiration from, have some of those qualities as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, It's also uh, in in Mexican uh, traditions of music, um, 
in European music, the sad stuff is sad stuff, and the happy stuff is happy stuff. Yeah, they're separate. Yeah, kind of yeah. Separated. Um, and the minors are are dark and and spooky and other. Yeah. And the majors are happy and and lovey and whatever, right? Yeah, they kind of beat you over the um, head with it, right? It's very obvious. This is supposed to be a sad song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in 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 the Mexican traditions, uh, you can have a fully, completely ultra sad song in majors, and you can have a very sad, a very happy song in minors, and and um. You know, like all of salsa is like you're currently dancing and you're yeah. feeling and it's a party, but it's all in minors. And so it's um, I I wanted to sort of use some of those intricacies because also feelings in Spanish are more complicated. Like when you talk about death, it's yes, it's sad. And yes, it's um, but it's a part of life and it's the end of life. And it's, it's a moment where you kind of celebrate somebody's life also sure. as, as well as sadness. And so you, I wanted love is never just love, 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 love comes with suffering there's there you need to suffer for love if you want to really love mm -hmm. and so um and so i wanted to put all of that in the music i wanted to make sure that that we were developing this like soundscape that is kind of like an emotional landscape um and, and I, I mean it was it was really helpful to be able to be working with people that were from a different culture because uh people like tim friesen our keyboard player who's an, an amazing and incredible composer and musician um was able to sort of help majorly with the arrangements of the vocals for example um and all of like his keyboards carry some of the like really magical sounds of the mariachi ghost um and some of that like the cutesy things that you feel that there's like all of a sudden that's something that feels kind of like um like a glockenspiel or yeah you know that yeah those kind of kind of like almost childish things that are in the music that's all tim and so like the, it was the collaboration of my being able to explain the ideas i guess and um and other people being able to collaborate some of those musical ideas really really paid off Pueblo chico, infierno grande, los rumores y la carne son.
I guess that the having the multiple cultures involved in interpreting this music that originates in one culture, you're going to definitely have uh, people just naturally, unconsciously bringing in different influences that are going to make it unique, just just necessarily, right? Yeah, exactly. And genre to us felt like, to me, has always felt like flying a flag of like I play this kind of music yeah. is like a very limiting and and dumb thing to do. Um, and um, sorry for everybody that actually likes <laughs> just jazz or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like it's really stupid because you can express the same feeling with punk music than you can with mariachi music. Sure, um, you sure. can experience ra- range, rage with the same rage. Um, so I wanted to be able to put those two things together, like punk rage and metal rage and mariachi rage and mix them and make it one thing. And I felt like people were going to be able to latch themselves onto that sort of nuanced understanding of what they were feeling at a show. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think that uh, it probably goes without saying, but the, the live presentation of your shows also adds to that as well. Because like you were saying, you know, when you first started the group, having that visual element and that kind of, uh, it's very striking. I mean, even just seeing a photo of the group is, is striking with the, with the makeup and with the, the way you're dressed and everything. You, you get a vibe from it just from just from looking at, the, at a photo and then seeing it live, kind of full on, it's, it's, it's an experience for sure. I think that that's uh, when you were saying that we were one, some of the people that were able to sort of break out of the scene and go places and stuff like that. It's also because of that. I think yeah. uh, um, I think we were very lucky that some people took some really, really, really good photos of us. <laughs> so it helps, when, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's majorly helpful. Um, when festival bookers were looking at the band, they were like, oh, I don't know what they sound like, but they look good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so it looks good on a poster, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to talk too much about the pandemic because everyone's sick of hearing about it. But I mean, we just, uh, as we just said, you have a band that is is very, very visual. I, I feel like it's, you know, the, the records sound great, but it's something to be experienced live. How has this affected you just in the sense of you, you can't play shows? Uh, the whole, uh, I mean, let alone your, your job with the West End Cultural Center, just, just as the Mariachi Ghost. How has this impacted the band and, and what you would hope to do in the last year and a bit? Uh, well, we have been able to rehearse for a year. Yeah, um, yeah. Restrictions haven't allowed us to get together in any kind of tangible way. We were able to get together in the summer and, and we played some shows at a distance for a couple of festivals. And, um, you know, it's it's a complicated time because uh, it seems like we're, we're just at home. But we're actually all really, really busy during yeah. the pandemic. Like it's like it was, there's stuff to do when you're at home, sometimes more so than when you're at work. Oh, for and, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's been actually quite a drag for us because we I haven't seen my bandmates for a really like at least for six months since since uh since November, yeah. October, November. Um and um we're we kinda operate kinda like a family. We're like each other's best friends and, and hang out all the time and whenever there's a family gathering everybody comes and you know, like oh blah blah blah's birthday this I don't know, twenty one people show up to your house and yeah. it's awesome. Um, and we haven't been able to do that at all. And, um, you know, we had a really nice rehearsal space that took a long time to sort of get to the right place and um, a good rapport. And, and, and then at the same and that's kind of sad. But then at the same time, um, we're welcoming the break from what, what our routine and realizing that the music industry is not a friendly place for musicians. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Believe yeah, it or yeah. not. And that, um, and that we sometimes put all our all of our eggs into this music industry basket that is not designed to provide for musicians and um and you know just working at home and having a, a paycheck yeah, <laughs> is yeah. kind of awesome and so um it's uh we we've we're learning a lot about ourselves we're also at a, at a point where like some of us are turning 40 and so yeah yeah <laughs> you know it's that it's that part of life for totally. the I, I'm, I'm right there too yeah I'm, I'm in, I'm yeah. Just, yeah yeah i get it you know what it feels like <laughs> yeah. you, you have to put your kids to bed yeah, exactly um, yeah you yeah. know yeah um so uh, the the dream of what we did the reasons we did what we did and um how we wanted to do it and, and the things that we wanted to achieve are put into perspective by the pandemic mm-hmm. um and they they were already kind of being put into perspective but like okay so we can't play shows I had been trying to digitally tour for five years. Okay. I had been trying to do live streaming for five years before the pandemic. Our old manager, Sergio, was all gung-ho for it. We found company a company in Germany that was doing it five years before it was a thing. Um, and nobody bought into it. I reached out to every festival, every radio station in North America, being wow. like, hey, the Mariachi goes was to do a show from our rehearsal space. It's a really visual thing. It's a dollar. 
Yeah. You know, you you get 10 cents of the dollar, like what everybody's doing now, and nobody bought into it. I was like very disappointed. And now it's what's happening. <laughs> so yeah, I wish I had actually too early. done something. You're too early. So I was, yeah. I was too early for yeah. it. Um, but just, yeah, the, touring with eight people is hard at the best of times, um, just in terms of logistics. Um, and the pandemic is definitely uh, a bit of an, a bullet in the knee. Just to talk about what you're doing with the West End, I mean that's got to be a similar impact in the sense that shows aren't happening really at all, and they haven't for for aside from a brief window last year, there was a few weeks there where people were able to have shows, but for the most part, it's been live streams or or nothing, right? Yeah, I mean, 
Um, I was very lucky to have come to the West End bringing 20 years of television experience okay. um, as a producer and director. Well, and that so helps, I right? was able to put together. <laughs> yeah, right now this is very important. Yeah. Um, I was able to put together um, uh, an excellent team to create uh, the online shows that we, the only concerts that we provide at the WEC and to put out some really high quality stuff. Yeah, they were um, very professional compared to some of the other ones. And not, not that there's anything wrong with the other ones, but yeah, you guys definitely uh, were doing it the, 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 the pro way for sure. Yeah, that's it. We wanted to make sure that the, the artists were putting, we're going to have something that 10 years from now they can look back into and say, man, that was a good show. Even though it was the, the pandemic, something good to remember. And, um, uh, you know, that took a lot of work. At the WEC, and and we were happy to have the time and 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 mental space to do it. Um, we wouldn't be able to do anything like that if we were like, you know, pouring a, a touring band through through the through the stage every yeah. week, which yeah. is what we were doing. And then a more important thing is that we're going through um, a strategic planning, um, a new strategic plan for the next five years. Okay. Um, and maybe more, maybe longer. That is a, an anti-racist and anti-oppression strategic planning. Um, which took a long time. Uh, this is like mostly Jason is like really, really busy with this, but um, it affected all of us in the staff and it affected how the board was working. And so we, we were very happy to be able to have the meetings to receive the anti, anti-racism anti training and anti-oppression yeah. training. And then to be able to have, uh, you know, longer board meetings and, and board engagement to to hire new board, board members um, that are BIPOC, uh, you know, professionals and music professionals um, to have, a voice in how we do stuff in the, the West. And so there's a lot of changes that are happening under the guise of the pandemic, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like it's uh it's, we have time because we're not putting on shows as often. And even right now I can't, um, I can't put a, a, a an online show in the next three weeks, but I, I was already not doing it for the last three weeks because <laughs> I was afraid. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> that yeah. The, yeah. The, the, once it gets by 5% for us is we look at the risk for the musicians and like if we were going to bring somebody and they are a risk of exposure in the venue we don't want to do that and of so course, um, yeah. you know we're working slowly but it's giving us room to develop our winter option festival really well and you know we're hopefully going to open a patio in the next month or so oh, great there's a lot of stuff that's going to be happening at the WEC that we wouldn't have been able to have time if there wasn't a pandemic to think about well that that um those anti-racism measures though that i mean it's really great to hear that that's happening at a venue like the WEC because because of kind of its its place in the local music history and in the neighborhood it's in which is a very diverse neighborhood and everything too to have that happening there and i know you mentioned kind of right off the top when we started talking today about um you know wanting to make the music scene more diverse and, and actually do it <laughs> rather than just you know lip service so how do how do how does winnipeg make that happen how does winnipeg make the local music community more have more representation uh kind of across the board it's interesting um it's it can't just be winnipeg one of the biggest problems that we had as the mariachi goes is that and i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say this uh this is gonna sound like totally insane and and super self-indulgent but I think we were the coolest fucking backing band in the world when we were like at the height of our might yeah. in like 2015 and 16. Uh, we were playing so hard and so good. Uh, it just felt like the shows were awesome. And I remember playing at the jazz festival and like 3,000 people yeah. just being at the at the at the or like the tip of our fingers. We could have done whatever we wanted with the audience, <laughs> you know. That kind of feeling, that rock star feeling um, that we experienced a couple of times, and we got pretty far. But the reason we didn't get any further is because the name of the band sounded brown <laughs> sure so, yeah, yeah um and they people when people wanted wanted looked at the heard the mariachi goes they wanted a mariachi band that played mariachi music and they were mad sometimes when we it was a rock band and some people that saw us and loved us and watched us play and then asked the name of the band the mariachi ghost were like no that's not a mariachi band and so um it became really complicated. Like we didn't get any attention at the top of like, we were at the top of national charts yeah. in the radio for, uh, we were at the, like going to South by Southwest invited to the Canada, Canada house in Estonia, like representing Canada internationally. We couldn't find a booking agent. We couldn't find a record label. We couldn't like, you know, we couldn't find a distributor. That's crazy. <laughs> I, it, uh, that's insane. Um, it like it, it is like actually insane. I I didn't know this back then because I was a young a young a young yeah. person that was, I was like 
loving what I was doing and I was doing it out of the love and it wasn't my job. We were all doing it because we loved music and we all had jobs, but we wanted to do music. Um, and we had a dream. We had zero grant money, never, never paid ourselves a cent for like eight years of the band. Yeah. Um, and, um, at one point we actually started, you know, applying for grants and developing and, and we got signed by Paquin. Um, we got signed and then dumped by a, a, a big record label twice. Okay. Wow. <laughs> uh, I think for the same reasons. And, uh, and, uh, and that's kind of, it brought us to a place where we were working on the new album, but from a very jaded place in the music industry and not with enough um, understanding of our feelings to act like vantage point okay. to actually articulate how we felt as a band um, and our frustrations. And so when we actually came to a place where we were able to kind of therapize each other and apologize for it to each other for, you know, the anger that was kind of running around the band and um, all these other things that felt frustrating, we realized that it was, it actually wasn't our fault. Um, that we had been co-opted by a system that wasn't designed for for people like us to succeed. We were challenging the establishment, which meant without intending to, um, and uh, in that brown people stay over there, play music over there, and then rock rock white white rockers yeah. stay over there and play music over there, and then suburban kids from Toronto play over here. <laughs> well, you know? it's interesting though because like the, the the combination of things, the duality of your sound, which is what makes the band so great is the thing that they were pissed off about. Like, the fact that you're blending, you know, like, even sometimes psychedelic kind of rock stuff with this traditional mariachi music is what I like about your band. And it's just kind of sad to see that people couldn't handle the the combination. There was, but it was the audiences that loved the band. Sure, yeah. And the industry, and the industry that didn't. So it was very weird. Um, it should be that audiences and artists are put together by the industry. That's what should be what the industry is there to do. But that's not what the industry does. Yeah. The industry is there to generate money in the exchange. And they figured that it's easier to make money if this exchange is very easy to them. And so they despise anything that becomes complicated. And that is bad for diversity. Sure. <clears throat> that is really bad for diversity because we, though we are an early adopting adopters of this sort of like cultural first um, experimental music, multi-genre, um, diversifying force. We're not the last ones. We're no, definitely no. not the last ones. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at bands like Teke Teke now. This like Japanese psychedelic band from Montreal, and they definitely don't give a fuck about genre, and they really don't, and they really don't care about what the industry is thinking. They're yeah. just doing their thing. And so, as a musician who has been chewed and spat out by the industry. I'm trying to create <clears throat> a place in the industry for those people. Okay. So they don't have to apply to Juno's. Take it, take it, just put out what I think is the best album of 2021. They're not going to get nominated for a Juno because they will they will apply for the rock category and the people in the rock will be like, hmm, are they Asian? <laughs> <laughs> they should probably go to the world music category. Right. And the world music category are going to be like, hmm. But they have amplifiers. Well, and the world music category is bullshit anyway because it, it, it just throws so many different genres into a big pile and they're, they're completely unrelated styles of music. Like. Exactly. So there is not a system where these musicians are is designed for these musicians to be successful. And so, um, you know, <clears throat> people that like record labels want artists that already have a Juno to sign them. Yeah, sure. Or other awards. Booking agents want artists that already have a Juno to sign them. But in order to get the Juno, you need to play whatever the Junos say is a Juno of all album. And so if you create something you like, but it's not what they like, you can't, even if the audiences love you, yeah. you can't <clears throat> be successful. And so I'm currently trying to get the Junos to delete the world music category with a whole bunch of group of people, a large group of people that is making this effort and open up a multi-genre um, acceptance of of, uh, of uh, categories. So basically, right now, if you apply to rock, you can't apply to anything else. Okay. And if you apply to world music, you can't apply to rock, even if you're both. Right. And so a lot of people are both. I mean, a lot of people are, are shifting. Yeah. Yeah. The majority of them, right? Yeah. And so um, I'm trying to get them to change that. It's just a small change, but it, in semantics, it's going to make a big difference. 
you know and there's a, there's, there are other things like that that the music industry needs to sort, needs to sort of look at um with an open mind and an open heart which is not going to be easy um or um it's not they're not going to go down without a fight sure um well because they've still established for so many decades of this is how it works right and like you know um whatever johnny world music who like lives in a suburb of toronto and like drives an audi and is a <laughs> juno a juno um committee member that has a like has sold a lot of like seventy five thousand records for the of african music you know and the, like or whatever yeah that guy doesn't want the guy the guy from the mariachi goes to come and tell they you know 30 35 year old guy from the mariachi goes to come and tell him hey man fuck you yeah this is not your space anymore that th they don't want that right and so but those people are there for us and so as musicians we need to make sure that they remember that yeah 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 well you do you think it's changing way. though i mean the, I, I feel like younger generations are, are way more open in general to th basically what you've been saying i mean uh, i i think if you asked a, a 60 year old and a 25 year old the 25 year old is going to be on board with what you're talking about just naturally right and i mean the older generations are they're, they're dying off like there's a few dinosaurs hanging around trying to keep the system as it is but i think that we're hopefully in for a, a positive change as younger people who are growing up in more diverse societies and growing up with you know the understanding that rock music isn't just this one thing or that you know hip-hop isn't just this one thing or whatever I don't, I don't know do you think do you have like a some optimism for the future in a way um uh the grammys just added a diversity um liaison person that is there to like sort of make sure that there's inclusion in different genres. Okay. Um, I just saw the first black person win the Americana um, music category in the US on DERA. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he's an incredible musician from Kenya, actually just first generation immigrant. Cool. You know? Um, and uh, so I think that there's, there are little things like that happening in the music industry that'll, that'll eventually ripple and, and change things. And so when your question was like, how does Winnipeg, change this thing is like it we kind of have to change unfortunately winnipeggers and the winnipeg music industry is very prone to listening to the trends of the bigger the bigger centers yeah toronto is going to dictate yeah 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 um even though we have some of the best musicians in the country and some of the most cutting edge yeah concepts in the country we're still listening and so uh, which is i think is a mistake but we're still prone to do that and in order to change the environment, which is actually is an actual, like an completely environmental change, um, we're going to have to make sure that organizations like the WEC and Manitoba Music and Manitoba Film and Music and um, you know the Junos and uh, Factor and you know the Canada Council and the organizations that help us put together the Heritage Canada, the organizations that help us put together the festival system that pay yeah. for everything, that all of those organizations have large BIPOC conglomerates in their boards there um, the, so that they're listening to the communities in an, a tangible way. And then uh, we need to make sure that uh, anti-oppression and anti-racism training is received by everybody, every staff member at Factor, every juror at the, at the Canada Council. Um, and then we need to make sure that the Manitoba Film and Music Board is more diverse. We need to make sure the Manitoba Music Board, and they're making their efforts already. Yeah. Uh, it's more diverse. Um, and we need to make sure that the programming is happening um from a diverse perspective um how many how many artistic directors of festivals do you know that are not white other than me none yeah so <laughs> you know none, yeah. i mean i'm not saying i'm not saying they can't do your job and, yeah. and, and i'm not saying that they that they do a bad job i'm just saying that the representation uh, of bipoc people is very low in the music industry sure um other than in specific places where we like them yeah right right right, right.
There's so many artists, but if they're not getting to the the, upper, the higher levels and getting those jobs with festivals or venues or these organizations, yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna change anything anytime soon. So it sounds like there's a lot of work still to do considerably before anything gets yeah. uh, gets gets significantly better. Yeah, it, there. I mean, uh, yes, um, I'm not alone. There's a movement of us um, who kind of came from the same place of like frustrated um, brown and black musicians. Um, who, you know, got the bad, the, the 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 terrible end of the of the spectrum and of the stick, and and uh, and are kind of putting together our heads to sort of change things and change organizations that are like sort of entrenched. Yeah. Um, and becoming this is the 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 very the, the big step is we wanna and I mean the the WEC has always become has always been a beacon of diversity of the city, and that's why I'm very happy to be there. Um. But part of our efforts is we want to become part of these organizations where we have perceived that racism is uh, institutionally entrenched for, but with good intentions or bad intentions, yeah, you yeah. know, we don't think that anybody's themselves are like making efforts to be racist. Those places exist in Canada, but sure we don't think do, that yeah. that's yeah. what the case. Yeah. Um, we just feel that then we need to take us as BIPOC artists, we need to take 
over those spaces and make sure that we're diversifying ourselves those spaces because it can't be up to um them we ha it has to be us well it hasn't happened yet when it was up to them for the past hundred years right so or more yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. and so and so yeah. we're like whenever there's a job posting for like hey there's a there's an officer job at the Canada Council, we all, like, we pass it on amongst the hundred right. of us that are there, like, oh, one of us better take it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because we need this, we need this. And so, um, you know, we're organizing uh, little by little to get these things moving. Cool. Well, that's, uh, that's you got a lot of work ahead of you, I guess. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, it's, like you said earlier, the pandemic gives you time to work on stuff that maybe you wouldn't have had time if you were actively touring or whatever. So, you know, hopefully that, that, that helps with uh, these kind of initiatives as well. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, the band, for better or worse, we have a certain amount of clout. Yeah. We've achieved a certain amount of things and, and, and we've gotten respect from the industry for the stuff that we've achieved. And um, and that helps us with this, like our our mission as a band now, because we don't, we know we're not going to get rich or famous anytime soon. <laughs> right. um, we want to make better music and, and we want to be able to sort of still do this, the, the, the things we do the way that we want to do them. But um, our mission is to now as a band is to make sure that we're putting the spotlight on the places where we think needs to be placed. Um, and so it is the, an effort of the band to try to change the Junos and other award systems, you know? Um, and so that, that's kind of every, every little interview that we have or bit that we have, we make sure we're talking about it. We sure. make sure they're playing music about it. we make sure that, you know, that it's uh, it's the, the new important role for us. And, and we're all very happy to sort of collaborate with that. I'm glad to hear you're doing it. It's it's, it's important, um, and it's especially in a city like Winnipeg, where I mean, the amount of diversity within the musicians, just alone. I mean, there's so many people from all different backgrounds and uh, trying to get their music out there and get their voices heard. And yeah, if they're facing the same troubles that that, that you faced and others have faced, then it's uh, we're missing the the rest of the the city and the world and the country is missing out on some great stuff that just isn't getting through that that barrier. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're all listening to. Uh, Justin Bieber, we could be listening to Teke Teke, you know what I'm saying? Right, totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what's, I guess, what's next for the band musically? Like, I mean, I know you said you haven't been able to rehearse in, in, in a year. And do you have kind of a plan going forward, or is it just sort of waiting to see what happens with this situation we're all in? Um, I think it's it's an interesting time for us to sort of, we we accepted that we needed to take a break, Um but not like it's kind of great because it's like we don't need to do need to take a break because we were mad at each other, which at one point almost happened. We needed to take a break because we needed to take a break. We've been working hard for ten years, yeah, it's and uh, you know it's it's not optional at this point. <laughs> no, we can't say no to shows because yeah. there's no shows to say no to, um, and uh, and you know we we wanted to like take distance from each other and then come back with all the love that we feel for each other to put it back into sort of that practicing time and that, you know, there's like, um, I have a baby now and then uh, two more men band members are, are having babies in the next couple of weeks. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, two other band members had babies that, like a couple of years ago. And like, you know, like now there's like, I think eight babies in the band. And so um, it's, uh, we're, there it's things are changing and i know that the material is material is going to change but we're still here and um i keep posting things from the band right profile just saying still here just so people don't forget that <laughs> yeah. we're still here yeah um you know exploring new kinds of music is uh, is super important to us and uh, i know gabriel's been exploring massively exploring plunging hard into the synthesizer vibes and like you know analog synthesizers yeah. and just sanity the insanity world of analog, analog synthesizers and yeah that's a whole know, separate I mean, galaxy of, of stuff there for sure yeah 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 and like it, it, how the, the research is one thing how cataloging it and using it is a couple completely yeah, different yeah. thing um and then uh I, i've been plunging more into into traditional musical music styles uh of uh, and then kind of the traditions of the 1960s and 70s in latin america the, cool. the, the things that were seen as like underbrow and super runchy um uh, bad for you uh you know like that's where the devil hangs out right and, right oh no no that's for poor people like all of that kind of music um that's the kind of that's where the best shit was happening and i believe so it, I'm, yeah yeah i'm pl i'm plunging into into that listening to all that stuff with you know with a, a i need to try to figure it out and and you know, like I, I realized that what I was doing um, in 2015, um, people in the States were doing as what well. I don't know if you heard of the band called Chicano Batman, but they, yes, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. they basically emulated um, 1960s crooners from, from Mexico in a really, really super kind of cool way. And um, and uh, 
I, I realized that there's a market now. Like this is the, the the biggest realization is like there's a market for what the Mariachi Ghost does. Mm-hmm. It's just not in Winnipeg as a, a market market. And so now we're making efforts to try to get to California and try to collaborate with people that are in our scene, which we didn't know that that's actually a scene. But like the more the more and more we talk to musicians from the U.S., they're like, oh, like what you guys. Did ten years ago, people are doing now in California. So you guys should get over there and start working with this stuff. So you're ahead and of your so, time um, again. Yeah, but, but, unintentionally, it's not something <laughs> we necessarily wanted, but um, but there's um, so n- that's the kind of explorations that we want to we want to make sure that we're there. Are, there's a there, there were there's a very small number of people in Mexico for Mexico um, that listen to our music, and okay. people in El Salvador that listen to our music, and in Latin America that listen to our music, and and they were nice enough to send us messages um, even during the pandemic to say, holy smokes, I just discovered your band and all in Spanish and like yeah. the lyrics are amazing and, and how come you're not playing in Mexico and how come you're not playing Panama? How come you're not playing El Salvador? And and so we want to make an effort to provide for the market in Winnipeg and, and people that, that are you know faithful and, and loving audiences of the band. And we also want to make an effort to... Uh, kind of go into these places where we know there's a scene that is going to be kind of welcoming to us and develop with them, you know, like experiment with other people and welcoming, like, you know, partnerships with new musicians and yeah. try to collaborate with people that play, that play music in that, in that those interesting ways. Where can people find your music now? I mean, I know you have a couple records out. Um, obviously people are consuming music maybe differently during the pandemic than they would have otherwise, but what's the best option for someone to track down your stuff who wants to hear uh, what you have already released? Um, we were very lucky to uh, to be able to work with um, uh, uh, Pipe and Hat, um, Sugar Gator Records. Um, Tim over there is a, a great um, titan of the Winnipeg music industry. Um, and we passed in the same spaces for a really long time. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law, Sandy, um, uh, was Indicator Indicator and now New Wales. And I went to uh, elementary school with Sandy. Oh, he's uh, known him he's, since he's my like brother-in-law. That's awesome. Uh, like literally in-law, like it's like <laughs> once removed. Like my sister-in-law is married to his brother, okay. Jamie. Cool, cool, and cool. So, uh, but we're all a big family, and so um, I I knew Tim from hanging out with Sandy, and at one point I asked Sandy, "Is like is Tim like a legit guy, or like is he <laughs> like a nice guy?" Because I only work with nice guys. Yeah. And Sandy was like, "Oh no, he's like the coolest man." And I was like, "All right." I, and I actually texted Tim from Sandy's phone and I was like, Hey, can, can we talk? And and I had like one half hour conversation with Tim and he's like, I'll take the record. Nice. Um, I, I, like right after we got kicked out from the big record label, I will not mention. <laughs> um, um, I'll take the record and I'll put the other record on all the platforms and cool. I'll give you a distribution deal. And, um, that was massively and endlessly, endlessly helpful. Because uh, we had a beautiful record that was going to go nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, everybody can find us on Spotify, uh, iTunes, iTunes, Title, um, whatever digital platform you want to download from. Um, also, um, uh, uh, Bandcamp and uh, CD Baby, everything is in there. Okay. Um, and uh, we have six or seven uh, really cool music videos uh, on. Um, on YouTube, um, some of them on Vimeo as well. Um, if you want to kind of watch really, really fucked up fever dreamish music videos made uh, by a Mexican in Winnipeg, they are <laughs> they are there. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and also, uh, we have a website, myachigos.com. People can come to the website and all that stuff. It's it's linked from the website. You can go to the universe of the Mayachigos and see some of those really good photos taken all over the world. <laughs> right on. vacía quisiera ver que viva aquí en esta realidad 
la razón perdida. Fue la violencia, luz de mi umbral, la sangre corrida. Quedó tu cuerpo ahí tendido en esa inmensidad, la razón perdida. La cárcel en vida Y yo te puedo liberar Con este puñal Darte una salida Tus ojos tienen esa cualidad Libertad sin vida es mi misión llevarte para el más allá. La única salida.